Good morning. How's everybody doing? Listen, I, I'm just going to tell you, um, if you come to church on a day like today, you're the people that really love Jesus, all right? I, I know it's nasty. Up Even I rolled over this morning and thought, man, I ain't, I'm calling in sick or something. I, I ain't going in today. But uh, I'm really glad that y'all came out here despite the nasty weather and, uh, and all that. So uh, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today as we continue our, our house series, I want to... Um, just let you know about a couple things going on. One, and, and uh, I talked about this last week, and, and uh, we wrote about it on blog and other things this week. Um, today's the day we're taking up money for Haiti. Uh, and by the way, I know last week I kept saying Haiti, and that's just because I'm just country and, and uh, I do the best I can. But, um, you know, I had a couple people tell me this week, I think it's Haiti and not Haiti. And I said, really? And, it's, and, and then they also said, and it's Italian, not Italian. And I said, really? I didn't know that. Um, but we're taking up money for Haiti or Haiti, either one, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's on, if you will look on our giving tables back there, and uh, we've got some special envelopes that say Haiti on those. And so you know any money you put in that and you drop in the black box, 100% of that is going to Samaritan's Purse to support the efforts that they're doing uh, for the relief over there in Haiti. Um, now, Obviously, you need to still continue to give your regular offering. Uh, this is over and above that. And, uh, but I just, and I'm, already, and I'm really encouraged because I saw kids coming in today putting change in those envelopes that they had collected. And uh, that's really cool. It's a great opportunity for you as parents to say, okay, how much of your money are you going to send to help those kids that you've been seeing on TV uh, that have lost everything? So we're going to do that just today, and, and I hope we'll have a, a great amount to be able to send over for the help that's going on there. Also, uh, Super Bowl's coming up in a couple weeks. Today, this afternoon, is one of my favorite sports afternoons ever. You get to watch both of these games and then see who goes to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to be loving that. But in two weeks after today, uh, we're going to have Super Bowl parties at different people's houses, and those are listed in your green sheet there, your announcement sheet. Look at those. And, and the folks that are hosting those parties, they're going to be inviting people to show up and, and that kind of thing. And, um, and host people, <clears throat> as you invite folks, what I'm going to do next week, I'm just warning you, I'm going to ask everyone who hasn't been personally invited yet to stand, and then you're going to have to leave your seat and go invite them, all right? So, so you've got a week to invite all these people in here, or I'm going to embarrass you in public next Sunday morning. No, I'm just kidding. Paige, I wouldn't really do that to you. I'm not going to do that. But, uh, but so be sure that you're, uh, you're planning on that. Um, and I want to do one other thing, too, because the weather is nasty today. If you are on regular setup team, if you get here early, and not just this morning, but if you get here early and you set up nursery, you set up sound, any of that kind of stuff, I want you to stand up right now, wherever you are, all over the building, set up the coffee pots, all that kind of stuff. Now, yeah, give these folks a hand. <clears throat> now, this morning when you were laying in bed deciding whether you were going to come to church or not, some of these folks are already here out in the parking lot in the rain unloading the trailer, getting wet, all right? So we've got a lot of folks that do that week after week. And, uh, and, I, and also, um, this is, that's an opportunity if you want to look for a place to get involved and, and a place to serve, uh, that would be a great uh, place to do that. You can let me know that, let my wife Sherry know, let Chris or his wife April know. My wife Sherry and Chris's wife April, they kind of head that up. And, uh, and they would love to have more folks involved, just a way for you to have a connection here 
with what's going on. Well, I'm really glad you're here as we continue our series uh, on house. And we've been talking for the last several weeks about how our lives are like a spiritual house. And we've got these different rooms and, and we need to be sure that, that each area of our life is kind of lined up with what God wants us to be and to become. And, and so we've been going through the house as we do that. And I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. We're not going to start in Hebrews. I'm going to start with some verses in, in uh, Peter. But I want to get you to go ahead and, and open to Hebrews because we're going to be there for a, for a good while. And uh, Hebrews, go ahead and open that. Find it. It's a New Testament towards the end of your Bible. And, uh, and, and go ahead and get your finger there. Um, I, I don't know if you know it or not. You probably are aware of it. But we live in a society that's really interested with food and kind of almost... Um, obsessed maybe sometimes with food and we spend as a society just tons of money and time figuring out what we're going to eat and and you I mean look at your own bills every week and you'll know we spend a lot of money on eating right and uh, and and in fact uh, I looked up on the internet because you know everything on the internet is true and it says uh I found some statistics and I, I guess they're true I don't know but it said that Americans last year spent $110 billion, that's billion with a B, billion dollars on fast food. $110 billion on fast food. Then I said, well, I wonder how much that is per person. So I went on and I found out that there's a basically, well, let's see, 304 million, 304 million people that live in America. And so if you divide that into $110 billion, that comes out to $362 a person that last year we spent on fast food. Now, I'm no math genius, but I think that that totals up to 362 double cheeseburgers off the dollar menu at Burger King. And, and so that means you could have, if, if you're the average American, and, and chances are you're not, you probably spent more than that or less than that on fast food last year. But if you're the average American, that means that you could have eaten a double cheeseburger from Burger King every day last year except for Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And, and, and so we spend as a society just a ton of money of what we, you know, and time on what we feed our physical bodies. But it's interesting to me that while we spend so much time on what we're going to put into our physical bodies, we don't pay a whole lot of attention as a culture or as a society as to how we're feeding ourselves spiritually. In fact, we probably spend... I don't know, a hundred times more amount of money and a and hundred times more thought process and time thinking about what we're going to eat physically than what we're going to eat spiritually. And what I want us to do today is we're going to look at the room of the house where we get our spiritual nourishment. We're going to look at the kitchen. And you know, your kitchen at your house is, is where, you, where you get stuff to eat. Now you might be thinking, uh, I don't cook, Cliff. That's not, but you still keep the frozen pizzas and, and, you know, and the microwavable meals and the crackers and stuff in the kitchen, at least, probably. And so all of us, if you have a house, that's where the nourishment is going to come from in your house is from the kitchen. And for our spiritual houses, it's the same way. So I want us to talk today about how we feed ourselves spiritually. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about what we should eat spiritually and, and how we should be nourished. And, uh, and so we're going to look at a few of those. The first thing that I think the Bible, that we can learn from the Bible about what we should be feeding ourselves spiritually is that we need a balanced diet. We need a balanced diet. 
Just like your physical body, you know, you've heard from the time you were a kid, well, you're supposed to have a balanced diet, and you don't want to eat too much of this or too much of that, and, and if you're putting junk food in there, you need to be sure you're eating a lot of vegetables to kind of counteract that and all that kind of stuff. It's the same way with our spiritual lives. We need to be sure that we have a balanced diet. Look at 1 Peter 2, 1 and 3. You can look at this on the screen. Stay in Hebrews there and look at this on the screen. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 3 says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and he was writing this letter, he was writing this passage to people that were new believers, new followers of Christ. And he was talking to them about how there should be a difference in their life from the way it used to be to how it is now. And in verse 1, he's kind of describing the life of people who aren't following Christ. When he says there in verse 1, rid yourselves of malice, of deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He's talking about those are the things that you did before you were a follower of Christ. That's the way that people that aren't following Jesus are living. And then he gets on to verse 2 and 3, and he's talking about, look, there should be a difference now that you are following Jesus. Instead of eating those things, there's something else you should be eating. And he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up and your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so he's saying there should be a difference, and, and, the, and the, the stuff that you used to eat should be different than what you are putting into your body now. Now, I'm one of these people that believe that I believe that our spirit is being fed daily, whether we are conscious of it or not. That you are being fed spiritually every day. But here's the thing, if you are not conscious of being fed spiritually and if you're not feeding yourself spiritually then what you're being fed spiritually is the message that the world is sending you and every day whatever you're reading on the internet whatever you're watching on tv whatever movies you're watching whatever music you're listening to whatever the people are saying that you surround yourself with those things are feeding your spirit and you're beginning to get some messages from those things now listen don't, don't, don't walk out of here saying Cliff thinks we shouldn't go to movies. Anybody that knows me, I love TV, I love movies, and I love music and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm big time into all those things. I like that stuff. But I recognize that when I'm watching those things, that the stuff that I'm seeing in there is not truth. Now, there might be bits and pieces of truth in them. And sometimes I'll watch a TV show and I, it will remind me of something I've read in Scripture and, I think, and I'll be excited about that and I think that's interesting and wonder if the, maybe are the people that produce that, are they Christians and they're trying to get a message out or maybe it's just God you know, getting His message through there with using people that they don't even realize they're being used to do that. But the thing about watching those things and the thing about the messages we receive from the world is even though there might be bits and pieces of truth, it's not total truth. So we've got to wade through all this other stuff to find the truth that's in there. And what Peter is saying to the followers there, he's saying, listen, those things that have gone on in your life before, those are probably still going to be there. I mean, how many of you can read verse 2, verse 1 of chapter 2, and say, let's see, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Um, yeah, I'm a Christian, and sometimes I'm still involved in some of those things. Or maybe you can look at it and say, yeah, I've been slandered by some Christians before. 
I mean, I've been slandered by some Christians. Have you been slandered? You know, somebody, they say they're a follower of Jesus, and you find out they're talking all bad about you behind your back, and you're like, what's going on with that? And so Peter's saying, even though you're following Christ, there's still going to be parts of this junk in your life. So if that's still part of it in there, don't let that be all there is. You need to have a balanced diet. You need to be sure that you're craving the pure spiritual milk, the truth of God's Word, what you can read in Scripture, the truth of what Jesus taught us. And so those things are still going to be there. Um, when, when, I was in, um, when I was in New Orleans, we had some friends that had, had a dog. And um, he, uh, he was a stupid dog, right? Any of y'all had stupid dogs? Um, I'll give you one example before I tell you the really good story. Um, he said one night it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and the dog's barking and barking and barking, just going crazy, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And he thought somebody was trying to break in the house and everything. He goes and looks outside, and they had a pool. The dog was bent over and barking at his own reflection in the pool. So this guy, who was a friend of mine, he didn't really like that dog. So he bah, kicked it into the pool and said, you know, there, now you'll see. Now, y'all aren't laughing at that because y'all think that's cruel. Don't tell me you wouldn't have done the same thing at 3 o'clock in the morning. You'd have punted that dog so far. Well, the, the, the other thing this dog did that, that I think can teach us a lesson about what we're eating and, and what we will put into our body, and then the other choice we have to put into our body is, he said one night it was raining, pouring down rain, and, and they kept this dog outside and would let it in from time to time. And, and it had a dog house, but it was too dumb to get in it, you know. And, and it's pouring down rain and lightning and everything, and the dog's sitting out there in the yard, not in the dog house. And... Uh, and the kids, he's got little kids, and they're crying, Daddy, please let the dog in. He's going to die, you know, this kind of stuff. And, and finally, the kids wore him down. He's like, fine, we'll let the dog in. He opens the sliding glass door. He's like, come here, come on, come on. The dog's running, making a beeline to come into the house. As he's running in, he runs by a pile of his own um, poop, we'll call it, all right? He's running by, he runs by, and as he runs by, he puts on the brakes, goes back, and two bites, eats it up. And then comes to run back into the house. And I asked my buddy, I said, well, did you let him in the house? He said, I didn't let that dog in the house to come and lick on my kids after he had just eaten that. So the dog had to stay outside for the rest of the night. Now, here's what I'm thinking as I hear that story. And as I read, as I started reading, and, and, and I know you're thinking, Cliff, your mind's messed up. You read scripture and it reminded you of a dog eating that stuff. But, but now, first of all, that dog's dumb. All right, I understand that. But I think sometimes we're just as dumb because that dog had food. I mean, what would make a dog, you've got food. Okay, listen, I can eat food or I can eat this food I've already eaten again after it's come out of my body. I mean, what would make a dog do that? And I think sometimes we're like that because we've got the food from God. We've got the spiritual food that's truth that he's given us. And instead of spending as much time as we can reading this, we're just eating the the crap, the, the poop that, that the world feeds us. And, and we're eating that up and we can't get enough of it. And I need to spend some more money on doing this and that. And oh, I don't have enough time to eat the truth of God's word. But I got all kind of time to eat this garbage right here in front of me. And I think sometimes as we begin to, to go through our lives, we, we get our, ba- our, our diet unbalanced. We get it completely unbalanced. Because like I said, there might be some truth in those things the world's feeding us. And, and it might be entertaining and make you laugh, and those, those things are good. But if that's all we're feeding ourselves, and we're not getting the truth of God's Word, then our diet is unbalanced, and we're going to be unhealthy as a result of that. 
Deuteronomy 8.3, look at the screen, it says this. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You ever heard that scripture before? Jesus quoted it himself to, to the devil when the devil was tempting him. And the devil said, hey, take these rocks and turn them into bread. And Jesus said, how about Deuteronomy 8.3? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, this is what sustains us. This is truth. And this is what we live on. But we spend so much time on our physical food and, and when we think we can live on bread alone. And God's telling us, that's not what sustains you. What sustains you is the truth of God's word on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's where there is truth. And that's what we need to be putting into our lives is the truth of God. The second thing I think we can learn from Scripture, and those of you that are worried, uh, that's the last story about dog poop that I'm going to share today, okay? Um, just so you'll know. Second thing I think we can, and, and by the way, I had Sherry's permission to tell that story, all right, because I didn't want her to be completely shocked, and I said, I'm going to tell the story about Doug Rhodes' dog eating his own doo-doo, is that all right? And she said, yeah, you can do that. And uh, <coughs> I don't think I told her I was going to use the word doo-doo, though. Uh, I might get in trouble for that when we get home. <laughs> uh, the second thing I think we can learn from Scripture about feeding ourselves is this. Adults eat from a table, not a bottle. Adults eat from a table, not a bottle. If you've got Hebrews open there, look at a Hebrews 5, 11 and 12. Now remember, Peter had written his, his letter to brand new followers of Christ. So he told them, crave pure spiritual milk. And he's, he's kind of setting, setting them up to begin to, uh, to, uh, to read the scriptures. But then look at, look at Hebrews chapter 5, 11, and 12. He's writing this to people who have been followers of Christ for some time now. And he says, and, and before verse 11, before we read verse 11, what he's talking about in this letter is he's talking about these deep, deep spiritual truths. And he's talking about righteousness. And he's talking about a priest named Melchizedek. Um, uh, let's see, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, anyway, it's, it's a long name that I'm probably pronouncing wrong. Yeah, Melchizedek. He's talking about a priest named Melchizedek who was mentioned really briefly back in the Old Testament. And he's making a comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek. So it's this, it's this pretty deep theological discussion. And then he says to him in verse 11 this, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are too slow to learn. So he's pretty much saying, listen, I know you don't understand this because y'all are stupid, right? And, and he's not really saying they're stupid because look at verse 12, what he goes on to say. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And so what he's saying to him there is this, this is some hard truth and it's hard to understand and you can't get it because you haven't progressed in your faith. You haven't nourished yourself on God's word like you were supposed to. And as a result of it, you're underdeveloped spiritually. He's saying to them, you're like 25 or 30-year-olds walking around in a two-year-old's body. Think about how weird that would be. You're like, a, you're like a high school graduate who still drinks from a bottle and wears pampers. 
Because you haven't developed in your faith like you were supposed to. And so he's telling them, spiritually, it's not just that you're dumb, it's that you're underdeveloped because you've refused to feed on the Word of God like you're supposed to. And I love in verse 12 there, he says says that, uh, in fact, though this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. He's saying, you, you didn't learn the basics the first time. And now you can't be expected to learn the harder things. My wife, Sherry, teaches piano. And um, every once in a while, I'll be home in the afternoon while she's teaching. And, and um, I'll be in the kitchen, you know, getting something to eat or whatever. And I can hear them in there. And, and, and I'll hear, this happens every once in a while, I'll hear her say to the student, what's that note? Because they're missing the note. And, some, you know, sometimes they get it right. Or, but they might say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that note is. And Cheryl will say, well, you, you need to know the notes. And we learned the notes, you know, a while back. You got to know the notes if you're going to be able to continue to play. I mean, you got to know, you know, F-A-C-E and all cars eat gas and, uh, you know, every good boy does fine and all that. kind. You got to know that stuff, right? Because how can you expect to play a complicated piece of music if you don't know the basic notes? You don't know the staff. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying the same thing. How can you expect to be a spiritual leader? How can you expect to be a teacher of God's Word? How can you expect to be uh, growing spiritually if you don't know the basics? You never took time to learn the basics. And so what he's telling them, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You've been a follower of Christ for years and years and years. And instead, you still don't understand the elementary truths of the Bible. I thought about something I wanted to say, but I'm not going to say it. I'll just tell you that. Sometimes things come to my mind, and I think I'm going to say it, but then I realize I shouldn't. It's not on my notes, and I, I probably shouldn't go there. Uh, Hebrews, look at, look at verses 13 and 14. This is on my notes. He, verses 13 and 14, he continues there after 11 and 12. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We're going to come back to 13 and 14 in a minute. But I think what 13 and 14 tells us there is this. You should be growing if you are a healthy follower of Christ. You should be growing in your knowledge of the Bible. I mean, we know that from nature, don't we? Anything that's healthy grows. Healthy grass grows. Healthy kids grow grow healthy trees grow that's just kind of how healthy livestock grows it starts as babies and gets bigger and then we kill it and eat it i mean that's just that's just the basic order of nature healthy things grow and it's the same way for us as followers of christ we should be growing and if and if you say well you know i've been following christ 10 years and i don't know anything different now than i did 10 years ago then you you don't have a healthy relationship with jesus in regards to what you're putting into your spiritual body because you should be growing and what makes you grow what makes grass grow and kids grow and and animals grow it nourishment whatever they're eating makes them grow fertilizer makes grass grow and and healthy food makes kids grow and and the bible the nourishment from the Word of God is what makes us grow as followers of Christ. 
And if you're not eating this, if you're not taking this into your body, if you're not making this a part of your regular daily life, then you're not going to grow to become what God wants you to be. That's where the growth is going to come from. And, and I've talked about this a few weeks ago, and I want to mention it again, though, because I want you to be real clear with what I'm saying. When I'm talking about putting the Bible into your spiritual life, I'm talking about really reading the Bible. I'm not talking about having a devotional book that has one scripture at the top of the page, and you read that, and then there's a nice story under there that talks about that scripture. Those are fine. I'm not talking about just listening to me on Sunday morning. That's fine too. But I'm talking about really reading the Bible. And I'm not just talking about reading John, which everybody enjoys when they read it. But I'm also talking about reading Leviticus when it has like 800 laws about how to prepare a cow for slaughter and, and, and what you're not supposed to wear. I'm talking about reading that too. I'm talking about reading it all. And if we want to grow, we've got to read all of it. Uh, Wayne Cordero, who's a pastor out in Hawaii, and, and we got to hear him on the screen last June during our One Prayer series. And he said something so cool during that. He said that there's, there's, there's books in the Bible. There's like the minor prophets, guys like Ezra and, and Nehemiah and, and, uh, and Habakkuk and, and uh, Malachi, that they're saying to us, you never come by and see me. I'm always here waiting for visitors, and you never come by. You pass right by me and go to Matthew. You never come see me and hear what I have to say. And, and it's true. I mean, when was the last time you said, man, I, I really need some word today. I'm going to sit down with Haggai, and me and him are going to check it out. I mean, when was the last time you heard a message on Haggai? In fact, now I'm feeling convicted talking about this. We probably need to have a whole series of, of minor prophets, and I do a message from each one. Because we, we, there's parts of the Bible we just ignore. And I'm talking about us reading all of it. And if we want to be adults, we'll eat from the table and not from the bottle. We'll eat this and all of it, the deep truths of it. And then the last thing that I think is so important, I want to spend a little more time here. Because I just think we miss this sometimes. That is that you are responsible for what you eat. You are responsible for what you eat. Hebrews five thirteen and 14 again says this. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, if you are an adult that's sane and healthy, you recognize the fact that whether you eat physical food or not, whether you get lunch or supper, that ultimately that's your responsibility. You know that. If, if no one brings you something to eat, you're going to find something to eat, aren't you? You're going to go out and buy it yourself. You're going to cook it yourself. You're going to steal it. You're going to do whatever it takes, but you are going to eat, right? And, and we all recognize that. But I think sometimes, for whatever reason, spiritually, we don't recognize that. Spiritually, we think it's someone else's job to feed us. But we know that physically, it's really our responsibility to feed ourselves. Uh, you know, if, if now, now, Sherry cooks for me all the time, but, but if she didn't, and, 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 uh, and, and I said that, you know, one day I came home and said, hey, uh, I'm leaving you because you're not feeding me. And I'm, I'm leaving you for Paula Dean because uh, you're, not, you're not feeding me and I have a thing for older, overweight women with really heavy southern accents or something. I mean, you know, but but if, I, if I told her I was leaving her because she's not feeding me and I'm going to go to somebody else who's feeding me, that would seem weird, wouldn't it? Because I'm an adult and I'm big enough to get my own food. But have you ever heard somebody say, well, I just had to leave that church because I wasn't being fed? 
I couldn't stay in that Sunday school class because I just wasn't being fed. Listen, if you want to leave a church because you don't like the preaching, just say, hey, I had to leave that church because that dude was boring. Or I had to leave that church because he's told stories about dogs eating their own poop and, and I just couldn't handle that. So we had to leave. Or I had to leave because the guy spit a lot when he, when he preached or he yelled too much or he was too quiet or he had a goofy eye that looked off one way and I couldn't, couldn't pay attention, you know, when he was preaching or, you know, or whatever. You, you know, tell the truth. Tell the truth about, but don't say you were leaving because you weren't being fed because here's the thing. It's not his responsibility to feed you. It's not my responsibility to feed you. And in fact, in fact, if the only spiritual food you're getting is, is here on Sunday mornings, then your soul is starving to death. I mean, if that's it, if that's the only spiritual food you're getting is what I bring to you on Sunday mornings, then you are starving to death. I mean, imagine if physically that was the case. Hey, you want to go to lunch today? No, I only eat on Sundays. And, and really, I don't even... You know, if it's nice outside and I get a chance to play golf, I don't even eat that day, you know. So really, I only eat maybe like two Sundays a month. That's all I do. And what would happen to your body physically if that was the case? Oh, you wouldn't last any time. But we think that spiritually, we can just be strong and we can withstand temptation and we can do great things for God when you show up here every week and sit down and say, well, feed me, Cliff, bring it on. And this is the only, I'm not going to open the Bible for myself the rest of the week. I'm not going to look at it, but you're going to have to give me enough to sustain me until next Sunday morning. And in case I don't come back next Sunday morning, you're going to have to give me enough to sustain me for two more weeks. But it's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your parents' responsibility. It's not your teacher's responsibility to feed you. It's your responsibility to feed yourself. See, look at what verse 14 there says in Hebrews 5. It says, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. See, some people want a mother spiritually. I grew up in a house, and now listen, I've gotten over it. Sherry will tell you, I... I clean up the dishes, and every, every night I figure if she cooks, it's, you know, I, I'd at least clean everything up and, and clean the table off. And so I've learned to serve and do some things. But I grew up in a house where I didn't have to do anything. My mama did everything for me, and I let her, you know. I loved it. In, in fact, the day before I moved to college, my mother went into there and showed me which one was the dryer. and what, I didn't even know which one was which. I know there were two machines in there, but... I just threw my things in the dirty clothes hamper and they magically appeared in my drawers ironed and, you know, and hanging up in my closet. But, and so I never cooked for myself, right, growing up. And, and some people want a mother spiritually. They want somebody else to do all the preparing. They want somebody else to do, to do all the feeding. They want somebody else to do all the cleanup. And that's what you want your pastor or your Bible teacher to do. They want you to be your mother. And that's okay if you're a baby Christian, it was okay for, for my mother to feed me when I was a baby, right? But it would be kind of pathetic if at 40 years old now I still expected my mother to feed me. And how pathetic is it if you've been a Christian for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and you still expect somebody else to feed you? That's not the way it's supposed to work. Some people don't want a mother, but they want a hired chef, right? Okay, pastor, we pay you to feed us. And just like I'm going to pay this hired chef to cook my food, and I'm going to tell the chef what I want to eat. So, Pastor, you better preach what we like or we're going to go somewhere else. 
Because we're, I put my money in that black box. I'm a tither. I expect, you know, for you to give me something I want to hear. And, and that's, that's what some people want a hired chef. And then there's other folks that they just want fast food. Listen, I don't really have a lot of time to read the Bible. I don't have a lot of time to get into it. So as I cruise by, I want you to throw a burrito in my window, you know, and, and I'm going to eat on that spiritual burrito this week. And that's got to be enough for me because I ain't got time to slow down. I'm busy. I got stuff going on, right? And that's, that's the way a lot of us are. We want those things. But instead of those things, we're supposed to feed ourselves. And look again at verse 14 one more time. It says, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. You know how you nourish yourself spiritually? There's no shortcuts. Constant use. It's you, Jesus, and a Bible. Day after day after day. And have you ever gone, have you ever, now my wife never does this, but Guys, has your wife, or have you ever gone out to eat, or, or husbands who cook, ladies, has your husband ever made you something, and you think, phew, that wasn't really my favorite. I didn't like that too much. You know, and the next time they say that's on the menu, you say, hey, I thought we'd go out to eat tonight, you know, or whatever. And, and maybe there'll be a day when you read the scripture, and you think, I just don't get it. God, I don't, I don't understand what you meant there. If, if you're, somebody cooks you a meal and it's not good one day, you're going to eat again the next day, aren't you? But sometimes we read the Bible. I didn't get that. Well, I'm done with that. Through reading the Bible, I didn't understand it. You'll eat again. It's constant use. If we want to feed ourselves spiritually, it's just got to be day after day after day. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine if all of us in this room, and not just all of us in this room, but everybody who attends Freedom, imagine if we were all spiritually mature. I mean, really, we, we, we read the Bible. We could, as verse 14 of, of Hebrews 5 says, we had done so much that we could now distinguish good from evil. You didn't have to have somebody telling you if it was good from evil. You could read a book and you could say, Mm, that's bad theology right there. You knew it yourself without having to have somebody else tell you. Imagine if we were all that way, if we were all spiritually mature. Three to 500 people going out into this community every week and we are so filled with the truth of God's word that the stuff that comes out of our mouth is God's word and the, and the way we treat people is the way God's word tells us to treat people and the attitudes of our heart are the things that we've gotten from God's word and we're pouring so much of that truth into our lives every day that even the other messages we're receiving from the world that we're able to filter the bad stuff out and keep the good and continue to read God's word. Now imagine if there were three to five hundred of us like that. What kind of impact would that make on this city? What kind of results would happen if that's the way we were living? I think it would be astounding. I think it would be amazing. And what we need to remember over and over and over again is that that's only going to happen if we are feeding ourselves, if we are in the kitchen of our life pouring truth into ourselves because the culture is going to continue to offer us that garbage and you're going to see your friends chowing down on it and you're going to think, man, that looks good and you can, and, and, and you can begin to say, I don't want those messages, I want the message that's in here. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. 
He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. That's what we eat. Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not one of my followers. That's what we eat. We eat the truth of Jesus day after day after day. And I can tell you, and listen, I'm not perfect, and I miss days reading the Bible sometimes, but I'm going to tell you something. I never feel more at peace than when I'm sitting down by myself and I'm reading the Scripture. Even the days that I don't understand everything in it, even the days when it's chapter after chapter of, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so, and I'm reading through that, I still feel at peace because you know what I know as I'm reading it? Everything in here is the truth. And I'm not having to worry. I'm not having to work at figuring out, well, is this right? Is this wrong? How should this affect my life? I'm just taking it in and allowing the Spirit to work in me. And I, begin, I believe if you begin to do the same thing, if you begin to feed yourselves, you will have a peace in your life like you've never, ever experienced. I want you to bow your heads. The band's going to come up. I want you to bow your heads. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, you need to know today that Jesus, when he said he's the bread of life, he's telling you that, that he is all you need. He will sustain you. And, and he's going to forgive you of sin. He's the only person that can do that. So if you need to accept Jesus today, all you have to do is believe that he is who he said he was, believe that he died on the cross, and accept the fact that you'll never be good enough without him. And if you need to do that today, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment that you can pray after me. Now, if you're already a follower of Christ, just think about what you're feeding yourself. And think about the opportunity that you have to read the very words of God every day. And begin to think about your schedule and how you can work that in. How you can stop doing something else for 30 minutes a day and incorporate God's word into your life. And ask God, if you're already a follower of Christ, ask God to give you a desire for his word. A hunger for it. Now if you want to accept Christ today, if you know you need salvation... You need to be forgiven of sin. You can pray this prayer after me. Father God, I know that I've done things wrong. I know that I've sinned. I need to be forgiven. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that your blood can clean me up from my sin and I ask you into my life and I will live for you forever in Jesus name Amen